Thanks for joining us at elevationbillings.com. Today we're going to hear from Pastor Dave Carroll as he preaches in the sermon series, Pour Out. Let's join him now. Good morning, everybody. How are you? It is good to see you on this rainy Sunday. I'm glad you made it out of church. You didn't stay in bed, right? Uh, Hey, turn in your Bible to Joshua chapter 4. And while you're going there, uh, I just want to re-highlight some folks who are with us just a few more months. This is Caleb and Courtney Grotelush, and if you don't know them, yeah, hey. Hey, just a little bit of excitement for you right there, huh? And uh, we are blessed to have them. It's not going to be long enough, but they, they will have spent about six months with us by the time all is said and done. And then they are headed off to Helena, Montana to start a brand new church. So they're here learning, growing, contributing, running student ministry. Uh, they've been out in the parking lot. First Sunday after they, I let them come one Sunday and watch. And then the second Sunday, uh, it was winter time and Caleb was out in the parking lot greet, greeting people coming in. And so we're grateful for them. And I just wanted to highlight them. I thought it was a great chance to do it. Uh, let's thank them for being here. Thank you guys. Well, Hey, it's kind of how it works. You know, on Easter Sunday, second service was the big time beneficiary. I think you got to see the majority of the baptisms today. I want to let you know that we had the privilege of baptizing two folks in the first service. Can we praise the Lord for that? And uh, I'll tell you, they were, they were uh, great stories too. One of them I want to highlight, his name is Zach. Uh, Zach comes from a Mormon background and uh, had to spend quite a bit of time just ar- around Christians, around church, uh, upwards of, I think, eight months, 12 months, uh, just kind of feeling his way around, like, what is this thing? And uh, his in-laws and his small group and uh, other folks have contributed into his life, small group leaders. And uh, Zach gave his life to Christ last Sunday and was baptized today. And so, and so uh, it, it's just great to be a part of that kind of stuff. Uh, if you would take out the pour out, the pour out card that was on your seat when you walked in today, this card just gives you in a nutshell, how you can commit to Elevation Church as we take a next step as a, as a church family, as a church body of purchasing this building that you're in. You may or may not know that two years ago, approximately we signed a 10 year lease for this building and inside of the lease, the Lord gave us the wisdom to write in. Uh, two things that were important. One was a four-year sole right to purchase in in this 10-year lease. So for the first four years, and we're through two of those four, um, there can be no for sale sign on this building. We are the only people allowed to buy it for the first four years. And so that's why we're starting now. And then uh, the second thing was a $300,000 down um, option to buy the building through owner finance. And so starting on May 1st, we're launching a big initiative to uh, over two years to raise $300,000 to put down to owner finance this building. And then along with that, once we're headed that direction, it makes better sense to be good stewards and to begin upgrading some things uh, around the campus. And so this card is how you indicate your commitment. You could choose to be anonymous on it. You can tell us, uh, you can choose to give monthly. There are some examples up there. You can choose to give one time. Uh, I have heard some crazy things of people say, Pastor Dave, it doesn't matter if I, uh, if I just give uh, just a little bit every month, maybe not even every month, but I know a year from now, uh, there's something God's doing in my life where I'll be able to give him. I said, you know, no, we won't take that one. That that's not going to happen. No, that's not what I said. I'm just kidding. Um, so however it is that God is leading you to contribute, we'd ask that next Sunday you uh, pray about 
and come ready uh, to, to give your best, to pour out your best. In fact, in this series, Pour Out, we began in John chapter 12 with Mary of Bethany pouring a year's worth of wages and expensive oil on the feet of Jesus. Naturally, Judas said, uh, hey, what are you doing with that? That's expensive. Why are you wasting it? And Jesus said, no, that's pretty much the best thing she could have done. And so it's worth it to pour out because the more we pour out, uh, the more people we can point to Jesus in the future. Last week, we looked at the tithe and the mechanics of the tithe and uh, how God does, yes, love a cheerful giver, but how that even applies to giving over and above um, the tithe and, and giving the Lord our very best and then to trust him to provide for us. But this week is a little bit different. Um, this week, we are, uh, we're, we're in a message entitled, I Love My Church. And we're going to look back just a little bit. And when I say that I love my church, I'm not talking about I love my preaching, right? <laughs> uh, as a matter of fact, sometimes I listen to my preaching and say, those poor, poor people, right? I, I, you know, it's, it's, a, it's by the grace of God that they show up. It's not because I love our style or, or all that. When I say I love my church, I'm talking about the people here. Uh, that's you. Uh, that's, that's the people around. And, and I am grateful that God has given you uh, to Elevation Church to help advance the vision, advance the mission. And you know what? Uh, we are here today to take a little bit of a look back. And we'll talk about that, uh, why it's important in just a second. But we're in Joshua chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. And so uh, I love my church. Here it goes. What's happening is uh, the nation of Israel had just spent... Uh, their time wandering in the desert, right? They made a short trip into a long trip in their life. What could have taken them about 40 days, took them, oh, about 40 years, right? <laughs> and uh, it, it turned into this big, giant season of life. How many of you have ever done that in your life? Taken a little longer than what may, maybe the easy way was, right? But praise God you're here, right? Praise God you're here right now. And, and so they are now entering the promised land and Joshua uh, does something a little different. And here's what he does in, in uh, chapter 4. And it came to pass when all the people had completely crossed over the Jordan that the Lord spoke to Joshua saying, Take for yourselves twelve men from the people, one man from every tribe. So how many tribes were there in Israel? Good, you're smart. Look at that. I can't believe it. And command them saying... Take for yourselves 12 stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the place where the priest's feet stood firm. You shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place where you lodge tonight. Then Joshua called the 12 men whom he had appointed from the children of Israel, one man from every tribe. And Joshua said to them, cross over before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan. And each one of you take up a stone on his shoulder according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel, that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come, saying, What do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. For how long? It's quite a memorial, isn't it? And the children of Israel did so just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones from the midst of the Jordan as the Lord had spoken to Joshua according to the number of the tribes of the children of Israel and carried them over with them to the place where they lodged and laid them down there. Then Joshua set up 
12 stones in the midst of the Jordan River, in the place where the feet of the priest who bore the Ark of the Covenant stood, and they are there to this day. This was pretty weird. We look at it as a great passage and say, oh, setting up stones. But if you think about it, if you just spent all this time wandering out around in a wilderness and you cross over in, uh, into the promised land through a river and the river dries up so a whole nation could walk through, um, you're not sitting there to, to stop, right? You're not going, hey, wh- why don't we just stay at the river a little bit while? No, you're like, hey, let's go set up some, some homes. Why don't we build some houses? Let's go spelunking. Let's see what kind of land we got. Uh, let's, let's take a little bit of a hike, right? Montanans, we can relate to that. And that's what you would do. But Joshua, as the spiritual leader, said, what the? hang on, hang on. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. We're going to stop right here. I can imagine a whole nation saying, huh? Stop right here. Yeah, we're going to stop. And we're going to celebrate the past. Now, when we talk about celebrating the past, we're not talking about living in the past. That's no good, right? There, it does no one any good to live in their heyday, right? Uh, my, you know, my mom tells me all the time about how good the dolphins were in the 70s. And I say, Mom, I don't care, right? I don't care anymore. I'm not living there. I'm living in 2016 and they stink, right? And I don't know why I'm still a Dolphins fan, but somehow... Um, it, it must be that God is carrying me through this season. I don't know. But we're not trying to live in the past. We're celebrating what God has done. And, and I'm most excited to give the second service this message. Not that I wasn't ex- excited about the first service, but the second service I'm excited because many people here are newer. And uh, today in this message, I love my church. I want to give you some of the heartbeat about who God has wired Elevation Church to be so that you can go into the future, so that you can uh, join in, you can kind of graft in and find your place and and God can use you and God can continue to grow you and we can see amazing things uh, happen in the future. And and we won't just be celebrating the the past, but we'll be living in the future of what God is doing and his hand continually at work. That's the kind of church I want to be a part of. And so uh, here is the value of stopping to celebrate the past. And this applies not only for our church, but I believe it applies in your life as well. I think you can use these principles from the story of Joshua in your life as well. And here's what it does when we stop. Just like Joshua stopped and said, wait, wait, wait a second. We're not going any further. It fixes our focus on the Lord. It fixes our focus on the Lord. It keeps us from taking credit uh, where credit is due. Who gets the credit for Elevation Church? Jesus. Jesus does. The Lord does. He gets the credit. And, 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 and Joshua said, wait a second, before we go any further, before we start working and, and think that, oh, wow, it's, it's all our work that makes this thing tick, let's remember uh, who really calls the shots, who really gives the grace. It's the Lord that does that. And I'm here to tell you, I know for a fact, as I stop in this moment, I know for a fact, Elevation Church is of the Lord. I know that this is God's plan, that God had this thing set up well before I ever even knew Montana was on the map. You know, when I got the first phone call uh, to come to Montana, I'll confess, from Florida, uh, Amy and I, we said, let's look at the map again and make sure we know. <laughs> is that like near Canada? Is that, I, I don't know where it is. But I know it's of the Lord because I had one of these moments where I, I got to identify with Elijah 
on Mount Carmel. Do you all remember that story where uh, he challenged the 450 prophets of Baal in 1 Kings chapter 18? If you don't know the scripture, you can, you can go look at it. And uh, it, was, it was a contest to see whose who's, uh, offering would catch, catch fire uh, without any flame touching to it. And Elijah had his offering doused with like ton, with buckets of water. And he said, well, we'll see what happens. And naturally his took flame. And uh, I think I had uh, our offering to the Lord doused the very first official meeting of Elevation Church. I've shared this with a few people, but not everyone. Um, I'm standing in front of 45 people who decided to come. I didn't have any stock with these people at all. Amy and I knew two people before we came to Montana. We knew Pastor Fred and Cheryl, and that was it. That was it. So we didn't have any stock, uh, much like a uh, Enron exec doesn't have any stock anymore. You know what I'm saying? I mean, it was that little. Uh, and I'm standing before them, casting visions, saying, please, God, uh, oh, man, will, will somebody just say, okay, we'll join you. And as I'm pouring out my heart, Hoping God will use this. Behind me, one of my sons decides that he has to relieve himself in the backyard. That's right. I'm standing there casting vision to this people who are uh, sitting on tables on a street in front of my house while my son is peeing. That's what's happening. And, and, and I look back as I see people stopping, focusing on what I'm saying and looking uh, beyond me. And I'm thinking, oh, Lord, this has to be of you. Right? This has to be of you. And here in the scripture in Joshua chapter four, it would have been very easy for uh, Joshua to say on to Jericho, which we'll look at next week. We'll look at Jericho to finish out this series, pour out on to Jericho. Hey, we got to take this land. We got to do it. We're on to the next thing. But, uh, you know, as I look back at every turning point of Elevation Church, this is our fourth facility. In fact, when we were two months old, we were given two weeks' notice to find a place to worship. Uh, Elevation Church was in two weeks of dying uh, back in the day. And uh, as a young two-month-old church with people not even knowing who we are, what we're about, could have died, God provided. We met upstairs uh, with about 100 people crammed into about a 1,000-square-foot loft. You literally had to, had to walk up into a loft to worship. It was, it was crazy. But God provided... And you know what? Before we take the step of working on purchasing this building over the next two years, I want to tell you that our eyes have to be focused on Jesus. They have to be focused on Jesus. And in your life, uh, I want to ask you a question. Where have you taken a step forward by your own hands and by your own strength when you should have stopped and honored the Lord, right? And, and made sure that your eyes were on him. This is why it's important. Um, Hebrews which is one of the more Jewish books of the New Testament, and certainly the author would have had somebody like Joshua in mind uh, as he wrote. Um, Hebrews 12.2 tells us this. How do we keep going? <laughs> how, 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 do we, how do we make it in this life? We do this by keeping our eyes on who? On who? We, on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. You see, and today, when we talk about loving our church and loving what God has done, um, more than any other little thing that has happened or amazing thing that's happened or big story or little story, um, the champion of this story is Jesus. And the story of Elevation Church is God's story, right? It's God's story. And so we give him all of the credit. So it fixes our focus on the Lord. But now, uh, 
we, we kind of get into celebrating who we've been so that you can know where to start walking and how, how to uh, spend your time, your talent, your treasure as you move forward with Elevation Church. It fine-tunes the future. Look, at, look back at verses 6 and 7. Joshua didn't put these stones into the Jordan River for the people who were with him on that day, did he? That's not who he, who he put the stones in the river for. Joshua put the stones in the river for people who would come after. So they would know what God has done and know how God had wired this nation. And so it says this, he puts them in that this may be a sign among you when your children ask in time to come saying, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall answer them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, when it crossed over the Jordan. The waters of the Jordan were cut off, and these stones shall be a memorial to the children of Israel forever. Now, uh, it's, I find it pretty interesting here that Joshua stopped talking about crossing the Red Sea, didn't he? He, he wasn't cro- talking about crossing the Red Sea. Uh, all through their time in the wilderness, you know, all the songs, all the worship songs, they were all about, well, the horse and the rider thrown into the sea. But there was a new thing that God did in Joshua's day, and he wanted everybody to know about it. He wanted people to grab the heartbeat of what had just happened, that they had crossed into the promised land, and he wanted it to fine-tune the future. And, and here's a section that I want to spend some time letting you into who Elevation Church has been, right? How has God wired us from the beginning? Now, uh, anytime you're trying to do this, it's, it's not very fun. If you have kids, uh, you know this. And if you don't have kids, you've experienced this. Uh, it's the time where your parents expect you to learn something that they learned growing up from their parents. Does anybody know that story, right? It's, the, it's that time where they're like, you will. Uh, you will know this. And my boys walked up to me. Uh, they Well, they walk up to me continually talking about their high school years. And they're saying, Dad the summers in high school, I want to get a job so I can earn money. And I say, great. I know exactly what you're going to do your first summer. What's that? Well, I want you to go learn how to build a house. I want you to go work with a plumber and schlep tools around or be an electrician. Dad, that's not cool, right? That's not good. I don't know if I want to do that. Uh, Isn't there another job? Can't I work at Panda Express? And I said, no, 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 you can't. Why? Why dad? Well, it's because I'm recognizing that I grew up and my dad asked me to carry around tools and he asked me to do this. And do I expect you to be exactly like that? No. But here's what I've come to realize as an adult. As good as my dad was at that, I'm no match for him. Uh, I don't, he introduced me to these things and, and I, I know just enough for, uh, for chaos to occur in my house with tools, right? I mean, and especially if they're power tools, you could plug it in and make some noise. I'm like, yes, this is great. This is fantastic. And, and I know just enough to get by, uh, especially in the area of plumbing. But my dad can build a house. I can fix things around the house. And I'm thinking, man, if they don't, if they don't get some of the fine tuning and the picture of where we've been, my kids will probably grow up and uh, they'll, they'll have to call someone to fix their house. You, you hear what I'm saying? And in church life, uh, that can happen very easily where there can be a heyday. There can be a, a day that everybody, oh, wasn't it incredible? Do you remember that time when? And we can go all the way back to the Red Sea, right? 
when God is wanting to do a Jordan River thing so that we can move into the future and, and, and be even more than what we were before because we know our God better. Do you get what I'm saying? And, and so that's where we are. So I want to give you uh, three things. Now, as a pastor, I could have come up with a list of like 500, right? Because we're talking about our church. This is a church that, that Amy and I launched three years ago. And I have a million things I could say, but I, I was like, no, you want to leave. And people are going to ownership class after, and it wouldn't be good to start that at 5 PM today. People may not show up. So I, I reduced it to three. And here are three things we value at Elevation that give you a heartbeat of who we've been, where we've been, and uh, values that really matter here that move us into the future. You can write them down. They're not on the screen there. Number one, uh, next steps. We are people who take next steps. Uh, the story of Elevation Church has been a story of stretching for everyone who has walked in the door. You know, it occurred to me as I was thinking about this message, there isn't a single person I can't, I can, I might be wrong because I don't know absolutely everybody to the minutia, but by and large, there isn't a single person who isn't doing a lot more than they did in their previous season of life, whether they were at a previous church or maybe they'd never been to church. Let me give you an idea uh, or a picture of what this looks like. Uh, we were asking people to lead ministries who were serving once a month at their church. Imagine this. You say, hey, Pastor Glenn, yeah, I'll greet at the door. Uh, why don't you stick me on once a month? And uh, in walks someone uh, who talks to you and says, you know, hey, if God's leading you to help us start this thing, we would like you to go ahead and lead the children's ministry. I mean, your jaw would drop down and say, well, wait a second. I, I'm just a door greeter. And, and that kind of stretching has happened all the way where people who were used to, uh, to, to leading have have now come up into staff roles. And there are people who were even lost, right? Who were like, hey, why don't you greet in the parking lot? I remember one of my favorite scenes ever was a guy who was serving with us in the early days and he drops to his knees and he said, I can't believe I'm helping put church on and I don't even know Jesus. I need to change that right now. And I thought, wow, what an incredible story. What an incredible stretch. I would have never even been a senior pastor before. <laughs> when I say everybody, I'm talking everybody. But we're people who take our next steps. Today, if you've walked in the room and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you haven't taken that step, you got to take it. Because that's what we do here at Elevation. We walk toward looking like the image of Jesus Christ. That's who we are. Uh, some of you have been scared to death to walk in, in the water and be baptized. But can I tell you, I have met very few let's even call it zero people who have grown to be all God intended them to be in their walk with Jesus, who won't take the first and simple step of obedience after salvation. And that's to publicly proclaim it. You see, but it doesn't stop there. You see people who are in groups right now who, who took the chance and gotten a small group, um, you know, they're, they're becoming group leaders and we're stretching and growing. We take next steps. Now, is this always fun? Is it fun to, to do this? Uh, well, sometimes you're like, oh man, this is, this is stretching me to my core. I don't know if I have enough. I don't know if I have uh, enough fuel in the tank to do it, but God has been great every time. And so if you're wondering who is Elevation Church, where, where have we been and what, what, what value is here. It's the value of taking a next step. No stagnant people, right? No stagnant people. Uh, we've been to enough churches who let you sit and soak and sour and be who you've always been, right? But that's not the Lord we serve, is it? 
No, it's not. It's not the Lord we serve. He's constantly working on us. Here's the second thing. Um, We value enthusiasm. We value enthusiasm. Now, I'll be the first to say, uh, we came from South Florida, multicultural. I grew up multicultural. I love multicultural. Um, And something that I love about being in a multicultural environment is, especially with the Latin folks, they would just assume clap and cheer and amen you, then hear the message. Do you know what I'm saying? Uh, I mean, you just preach, and they're like, whoo, amen. And they're like, what did I say? I don't know, but amen, right? And, and they're, they're enthusiastic about what's happening. And, uh, and our move to Billings has been a little bit different. Um, folks, don't, folks aren't quite as enthusiastic by nature, but does that mean that we don't get excited? No, it doesn't mean that at all, but maybe expressive. But we, we started a church that is full of enthusiasm for the things of God. You may wonder, why do we clap? Why do we have an upbeat song to finish? Uh, why, do, uh, why do we get excited? You know, I thought baptism, we should be quiet and kind of golf clap, right? You know, somebody just chipped in for par. You know what I'm saying? Uh, we golf clap. Oh, why do we get excited about all these things? It's because we serve a risen Savior who changes lives, who gives grace and a second chance. And, and we're here to be enthusiastic about seeing people far from God come alive in Christ. People who've come alive in Christ, growing in their walk with God. We're, we're here to be excited about those things. Are you with me? That's, that's who we are. Second service, that is who we are. We're enthusiastic uh, about the things God has called us to do. You know what? Sometimes I look at these things and I go, man, it's going to be difficult to be enthusiastic about this one because it's hard, right? Uh, as a matter of fact, I don't even know how it's going to happen. I don't have all the answers. I'm supposed to stand up in front of this group of people and pretend I have the answers and I don't got them. I don't know how it's going to work, but I'm going to be enthousi- enthusiastic about it anyway because it's Jesus church, right? And he builds it. And even if I don't know always the next thing, here's what I do know. God is in control. And if our focus is on him, we can remain enthusiastic. We can show up and worship even on our worst day. Our family life can can just be going to a pot. You know, the kids could be frustrating us, could have been fighting with our spouse, could have been doing anything of the sort. But then we walk up to church and we're not being fake. We're saying, you know what? In spite of all the struggle in my life, Jesus is worth it. He's the best thing going, and and I'm all in. Do you hear? That's it. So enthusiasm. And then here's the third thing, and I I really want to ingrain this because this is a tough one. It's a willingness to work. I don't know why, as I think about the stones setting them down in our river, so to speak, I don't know why, but God has given us this amazing church start. We are three years old, and on any given Sunday, sometimes we drop into the low 300s, but most Sundays right now, we are 360 to 400 people coming around our three-year anniversary. That is fantastic. As a matter of fact, when I think around our state, there I don't know every church, and I don't pretend to know every church, but I, ha, I don't hear many stories about churches that have grown at that rate over the last three years, from 2013 to 2016. It just, I haven't heard them. It doesn't mean they don't exist, but I haven't heard many. So God has done a great thing, but somehow, I don't know why, I don't know what I did and whatever I did, I apologize to you in advance, but God has set it up for our church to be a church that requires a lot of hard work. Um, In fact, I've seen many people leave our church because they went, wow, it takes a little bit of work to be a part of this church. You have to put your hand to the plow to be a part of it. And I say, yeah, it is. You know, I remember one of our very first, I think it was actually like our third or fourth monthly service. We haven't even launched the church yet. Are you ready for this? You ready for it, Ruben? 
And here, Florida boy is getting a 101 in Montana at this point, right here. I had this awesome banner. It looked cool. It had the service time on it. And I was thinking, man, we're going to put this thing out at Sandstone Elementary. This is our very first facility. And people are going to drive by on Notre Boulevard. And they're going to go, that banner's awesome. And I'm coming to church, right? This is where I, what I'm thinking. We already know where this is going because you're listening to this going, no, that's not right. All right. And, and so uh, Sean Radizak, uh, the Radizaks were a family that moved out and gave a year and a half of their time from Florida just to start the church. And then they said, hey, we'll come out for a year or two, help you, and then move back. And so that's what they did. Can you imagine that? You moved somewhere just to help, um, had no job, no, no financial reason why, moved here just to help so that you could be reached. We're out there pounding this six-foot metal stake in the ground, and we have the biggest hammer we can swing, and that dude is not going down, right? I'm like, this is not soggy Florida sand anymore. You know, Florida sand, you just kind of go like this, uh, right, with, with, your shoulder, with your elbow, and down it goes. And I'm thinking, man, this isn't going to be easy. There, there's nothing about this is going to be easy. Um, you know what? God gave us an amazing building that had to have about 60 years worth of dirt cleaned off of every rafter, right? That, that was too big for a church our size. I remember the first Easter egg hunt we did. 3,000 people show up. We see all the cars show up. We're high-fiving. Whoa, this is incredible. This is incredible. And then we're like, wait, but now we got to serve them. How are we going to do that with 30 people? I don't know. Everything has kind of been uphill, and that's okay because I look at the fruit and the trend line, and God is doing incredible things. But it's a willingness to work, to put your hand to the plow. You know, even when it doesn't feel good. But this, is, this works in your life too, doesn't it? A willingness to work in your marriage. A willingness to work at your work when, when it's not, when you're going, I don't know how much I connect. No, a willingness to work. So we value the next steps. We value enthusiasm and we value this willingness to work. And God has used it along every step of the way. So if you ever go, man, why do they continually ask us to serve? It's just because it's who we are, right? It's who we are. It's ingrained. Uh, Why why are we doing the little jobs? It was funny. We uh, We just hosted another group here this week, and uh, the group was from outside, and one of them quipped to someone else, and one of our staff members caught it. They went, wow, he's the pastor, and he's sweeping the floor? Why should that happen? Why should that happen? Because after their event, you know, I just grab, naturally do it. And uh, he's sweeping the floor, and, and the person went, yeah, that's, that's kind of how we roll around here. You pick up the broom, and you do the work, right? There, it's not about position. It's about put your hand to the plow, right? Um, and, and when you turn around and look up, you see that God has done an amazing work, right? That's what's happened. And so uh, today is that day of looking up and celebrating, wow. Uh, do you know that because of this willingness to work, over 200 people have given their life to Christ in three years through Elevation? That's through you. Do you know? But it doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Uh, almost 130 people have been baptized. Do you know that um, somewhere around, I, I don't have an exact number on this, but somewhere around 400 adults have encountered a small group Bible study total in three years. Y'all, this is incredible. This is, it's, the, it's the Lord, but he's using 
how he's wired our church and where we've been so that we can keep going and, and following him uh, along the way. Um, I, I see marriages who have healed and reconciled. I see people who, who haven't been given a chance and felt pushed away by church come in and, and, and find new life, uh, not just in Christ, but, but in what a church can be, right? And who a church can be in their life. And so this, these things that we value are really important, but we have to keep taking the next steps. We have to keep enthusiastic about the right things, and we have to continue a willingness to work. I don't know if or when God will give us a downhill season. You know, um, you hear sometimes a story where uh, it's a downhill where they wake up and they go, "I don't even know what we did," and now you know we reached a thousand more people. Uh, praise the Lord, right? I don't know if God will give us that or not, but here's what I do know. This is who we have to be in season and out of season. It doesn't matter if we stall for a season or if we fall back for a season or if we advance like crazy for a season. These things remain the same. Do you get me? That's it. And and so uh, as we finish today, and this is probably the most personal thing you can take home because I don't know a person who doesn't deal with these things. Um, When we stop and celebrate like Joshua did, uh, when we lay down some stones of what God had done, to remind us. And, and by the way, when these guys took the stones, it tells you that it was hard work to put the stones down, wasn't it? It says they had to carry the stone on their shoulders. So this wasn't a, uh, a rock that they used to landscape the place. You know what I'm saying? This was a stone. But I love this. When we do this, we are saturated in God's faithfulness instead of our own frustration. We're saturated in God's faithfulness instead of our own frustration. You know, I'd imagine the temptation was there for the nation of Israel to cross the river Jordan and talk about how the desert stunk, right? About how they had to bury family members that they may not even be able to find. About how um, there was, oh man, I'm so glad we're done with the manna thing and now we can actually go eat some real food, right? Uh, Hey, I'm so glad that I don't have to live next to so-and-so anymore, (laughs) right? Because they stink, right? They stink. And when the wind blows, it's no good. Now I can go pick my own place to live. They could have just, they could have just unloaded their frustration. And the truth is, is that anything you work on in life has frustration, doesn't it? Uh, It could be, hey, listen. I know, uh, Amy and I, we work with the leadership and planning the church, and there have been very frustrating seasons of Elevation Church where we go, oh man, why did I do that? Uh, why did I blow it? Or why did they blow it? Or, hey, how come it's not going like I thought? Or why would people flake out? Or why would people flame out? Or, hey, how come, hey, we think we're biased. We think this is the greatest church on the earth, right? Uh, how come they would leave? And you have all these kind of frustration, but you could spend your time there. But what it does is it saturates you in that frustration instead of being saturated in God's faithfulness. And in verse 9, when Joshua finally executed the plan and put the stones down, what he was really saying is, no, we're not going back to frustration. We're not going back to talk about all that stuff. We're going to instead think about the things that God has done that are good things, that are awesome things, that have led me to this time and to this place right here and now. What are the good things in your life that God has done that you have been pushing off so that you can let your frustration be center stage in your heart, right? You see, I've shared with you a frustration that I had that I didn't understand. Uh, 
some of you who are new don't even would, wouldn't know this. And uh, I, part of how I get by is I don't I just don't even talk about it. Not because I'm afraid to talk about it uh, or or try to be personal, but it's like, well, if I don't talk about it, then I don't think about it. And I but I go to sleep at night and go, oh yeah, that exists. But in 2014, and on June 30th, um, I sat on my desk in the middle of a lot of pressure here here at the church. Man, there was relational pressure. There was leadership pressure. Um, there was financial pressure. We didn't have money to get in this building. And I still don't even know how it happened to be honest with you. And, uh, I I really don't. Um, and sitting at the desk in my right eye in the retina, my vein burst open, uh, and one blink, I didn't even feel it. And it ruined my vision in my right eye. And two months later, it nearly happened in my left. And, uh, I, I nearly became a blind person. Just like that. You know what? It's easy to try to, to, to give in to letting that dominate and become frustrating. God, why did that happen? I was just trying to honor you. Or, hey, why was that pressure there? Couldn't it have just gone away? Why did it not work? We could, we could sit in frustration. But that's not where God has asked followers of Christ to live, is it? He's asked us to live inside of his faithfulness, inside of the places where he's carried us through, where instead of focusing on why did that happen, I can say, God, thank you for your faithfulness that at my very worst, in my time of need, why we came here was for Elevation Church and the church has doubled, right? That's God's faithfulness. That is his strength, his power, where he gets the glory. And I'll tell you, living in God's faithfulness is not the norm in this world. Living in frustration is. But while it's normal for the world, for the follower of Christ, it's never, right? We will never live in frustration. We will always be grateful for the work and the hand of our God in our life. Why? Because it's brought you to this time and this place where you can sit and you can know a Savior. Isn't that awesome? That is who our God is. He is faithful in your marriage. You know, if you would spend more time being faithful in your relationships and in your marriage and less time being frustrated, it's funny how you'll see it course correct every time. And I'm telling you this from personal experience from a guy who's blown it, right? Who's blown it bad in various seasons of my life, deciding to let frustration be number one. But that is not where God calls us to live. He calls us to set a stone down so that we won't go back and we can only go forward. Next week, we'll talk about I Love My Church, part two, and what it means to move forward. Listen to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23 as we close out today. This is what it says. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without, what's that word? Boy, that's tough, isn't it? That's hard. It's hard to do it without wavering, without, without wanting to quit, right? Without wanting to give in. But the scripture says, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful. Would you bow your heads? Hey, this morning, I mentioned next steps. And there's an important next step that maybe you have not taken. And that is the step of surrendering your life to Jesus Christ, to see him become the Lord and savior of your life. I don't know if you've struggled with that. 
but I want to offer it to you today. Is there anyone who would say, I want to take that step and surrender my life to Christ and depend on his finished work on the cross, the blood he shed, his resurrection and ascension. I'm going to depend on that for my salvation. And today I want to give my life to Jesus Christ for the very first time. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? Is there anyone like that who would say today, I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Last, as we close in prayer, I just want to ask this simple question. Is there anyone who would say, Dave, pray for me because I have been living in frustration and it's so hard to get out. And I just would like your prayer that maybe I could focus on God's faithfulness as I leave today. Just raise your hand. Is there anyone who would need prayer there? Yeah, all across the room. Let me pray for you. God, I thank you That you, you love us in spite of our own emotion. God, you use us in spite of our own frustration. Lord, you give over and over what we do not deserve in your grace. And God, I, I can identify with those who have raised their hand. God, because so many times I've let frustration win the day. Instead of your faithfulness. And my eyes go off you and they, they go elsewhere. And I, I lose the values that you've given me. <laughs> but Lord, today I pray and ask that we would be a church who is grateful for what you've done. God, who truly recognizes that you have given us your son and it's been life-changing. And God, I pray for those who have been living in the frustration that today would be a day of great joy. Father, we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Thanks again for watching. Join us next week as Pastor Dave Carroll continues in the series, Pour Out.